in Christ, isn't it? Amen. So, today I want us to share about prayer. We are going to share about the seven steps to prayer, or how we can pray. These are the seven steps. eh? So, there are people who pray, but they actually don't know how to. eh? Most of us know that prayer is the way we communicate with God, isn't it? Yeah, that is how we talk to God. That is how we present our request to Him. But it is more than just presenting our request to Him. So we are going to talk about how we can pray. The seven steps we can follow while praying. So that we can learn that actually this is the proper way to do it. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we learn how to pray. But most of the time, some of us miss out. Um, The Bible tells us in the book of James chapter 4, that we pray and do not receive because we do not know how. Okay, we, we do not have because we do not ask. And when we ask, we ask to fulfill our selfish desires. Let us open there, James chapter 4. Open your Bibles. Okay, it's James chapter 4. Should I start? Are you there? Let me start from the top. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something but don't get it. You kill and covet but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So this is what I was saying earlier. Most of us do not know how to pray. And when we pray, we ask with selfish motives, just as the Bible has told us in James 4.3. That is why we do not get what we want, because we ask to fulfill our selfish desires. Prayer is how we communicate to God. It is how we present our request to God. It is how we intercede for another person. We can say thanks through prayer. We can also confess and repent our sins through prayer. But what is the right way to do it? Do we all know the right way to do it? And this is how the very first way, when you're praying, when you get on your knees or you decide that today I am going to pray, the first step, the very first thing that you should do is confess. That is repentance. I'm talking about repentance. Confess your sins to God. Just like anybody else, uh, if before you go to ask something from a friend, if you know that you have wronged a friend, most of the times you will always start with an apology, isn't it? You always start by saying, hey, you know something, Joanne, I, about last time I did something wrong to you and I'm greatly, greatly, deeply sorry about it. I ask you to forgive me. So that is one thing that most of us don't know. Before you start asking, some of us immediately go and start asking immediately. We start asking for things, but we forget that we have actually not lived right. We have wronged God. We have been disobedient to him. You have refused to do his will. But again, when it comes to asking, you ask for a lot of things, which is not right. The very first thing we should do is confess our sins to him. Because the Bible clearly tells us in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, that though your sin be as callous, it shall be as white as snow. Though your sins be as red as crimson, they shall be as wool. 
he says in first john chapter one verse from verse nine that uh, from verse nine you will read on that if uh, actually you will start from verse eight it says that if you say that you have not sinned you make him out to be a liar and the truth is not in you but if you confess your sins he is just unwilling to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness so a god who is actually willing to forgive you from all your unrighteousness a god who is willing to let go to ignore all the past sins don't you think that he is worth going to and repenting to because he is offering that he is offering you mercy for free he's not like another person who will overreact and say since you're wrong me don't ever talk to me again this god is willing to listen he is willing to reason with you because in isaiah he says come let us reason together in isaiah chapter 1 18 and 19 he says come let us reason together though your sin be as scarlet it shall be as white as snow though it be as red as crimson it shall be as wool so acknowledge your faults repent of your sins all right let us start by repenting to god we repent and tell him that father i have wronged you in this kind of way and i ask for your mercy if we start by repenting our sins definitely he is going that the, the anger he has towards us the anger that he feels towards us is going to be washed away for a while and then he will turn a listening ear he will listen to you because the bible clearly tells us that it is our unrighteousness that has turned the lord's face away from us when he looks at you and you are unrighteous and you have not even gone to him to ask him to take away your unrighteousness but you immediately start asking for things he is going to turn away he is going to turn his face away he will not hear because there is that part of the sinful nature within us so let us learn to repent our sins before we start asking let us start by doing what by repenting then the next step is worshiping him acknowledging who god is this uh, uh worshiping is acknowledging who he is you declare that he is a mighty god you declare that he is a glorious god some people may start with the worship and the confession and then confess their sins others may do it the other way either way it works either way it works all i'm saying is we shouldn't start by bombarding god with all our requests either you start with worshiping him or you start by repenting from your sins all right so we need to worship who worship is acknowledging that our our god you start okay acknowledging who he is you say who he is you say that god you are mighty you are awesome you are wonderful you are glorious it is more than praise because praising is something we do when we are just happy or thankful for what he has done but worship is what we do even in a bad state even in a terrible situation you still worship god and say father you are mighty you are a mighty god you declare the power that he has you declare his power just like elijah did on mountain camel that is in first kings chapter 18 verse 36 and when we open our bibles to genesis chapter 14 verse 22 okay genesis 14:22 says but abraham abraham said to the king of sodom i have raised my hand to the lord god most high creator of heaven and have taken an oath so in this case i want to show you that abraham acknowledged god as a mighty god the creator of heaven and earth 
And what I'm saying is that in your prayer as well, before you start presenting your request to him, before you start asking, because most of us think that prayer is only, we only, is, is, we only do it when we are in need. We only pray only when we have needs, but we do not do it when we are worshiping him or repenting or giving thanks. We only do it when we have needs, but no, no, well, let us start putting our needs aside. God is worthy of being worshiped. When you worship him and say that, Lord, you are mighty, when you worship him and say, Father, you are excellent, just like any other person. You know, before one thing I know, okay, let me use the ladies in this case. One thing I know about a lady, before she starts to like you, okay, there are some who are weird, uh, um, ambitious, they will see money first before they go with you. But there are those that will not go with you unless you start telling them certain words. Huh? Certain words. I know a lady, a lady can easily crack over certain words. When you tell her that you know you're very beautiful, I like your body, I like your face, I like the way you smile, I like the way you do this, that immediately will weaken her a little bit and she's going to start thinking about you. You know, guys have a way of knowing these words. There is a way a man would start flattering a lady, even when he's lying. Clearly, she's going to start blushing and when she starts to blush, definitely she's going to give in. So in the same way, when we are worshipping God, when, before we start to present our request to him, rather, let us start by worshipping him. Let us start by telling him that, Lord, you are mighty. That, Lord, you are excellent. Lord, you are wonderful. You are a glorious God. Nothing is impossible to you. And the moment you start by saying that, the moment you start worshipping him, making him mighty, even when you are in a terrible state, even when you are in a bad situation, you still say that, Father, you are mighty. Even when you are in trouble, you still say that, God, I believe you are mighty. He is going to come and be mighty. He will prove himself mighty in that situation that you're going through. You get me? He will prove himself mighty even when you are in trouble and you still acknowledge that he is God. Indeed, he will prove himself that he is God in that situation you are in. When you worship, you trigger him to work when you worship God. You tell him that, Father, you are excellent. Even when you are in a bad state, you will trigger him to work and show you his excellence in the situation that you're going through. So it is actually good to worship God before you start asking. Most of us only ask. We only know how to ask, ask, and ask. But before we do that, let us know that we need to first do what? Worship our God. We need to worship our God. You know, it is easy for somebody to, to, to help you after you have told them that, you know, you are, have a very nice heart, you're looking smart today. You know, certain words that show appreciation to that person. It will be easier for that person to help you other than somebody who comes immediately and starts asking for something. That one you will even say, I don't have. But a person who has started the other way, by flattering you or up showing appreciation or praising you in, a, in some way, even when you don't have anything, you're going to try to see that you can help them out. Praise God. Amen. So the other step is supplication. And when I say supplication, this is when I say we make our requests known to God. Supplication is the, 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 the asking now, the asking which most of us actually do very well. And most of us know that that is the only prayer 
in existence. But that is not our prayer. Now, so application is when we will present our request to God. You pray and pray as much as you want. You ask for this and that. Lord, I need this. Lord, I need that. Lord, I need help here. Lord, save me out of this trouble. And yes, the Bible clearly acknowledges it. When we read First Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, we shall read from verse 15, I think. Let's open our Bibles from first in First Thessalonians. Okay, it says Let's start from verse 16 that says, Be joyful always, and verse 17 says, Pray continually. So that is the part I wanted us to, to, to dwell on. We should pray continually and never give up. Always pray. Always pray. But there was a scripture I wanted. I got it wrong. I will get it and I will give it to you. But that scripture that says pray continually, in other words, you should pray unceasingly. Most of us get weak at some point and we hold back. And we say, what is the point if God is not answering? No, it is not, he's not refusing to answer. The problem is you are doing it wrong. Maybe you start by bombarding your supplications to God and you completely forget that you need to repent and you need to worship him. Most of the times, God works, He actually acts more faster if you worship. And when you worship in spirit and in truth, not just saying it on the lips, but let it come from the bottom of your heart. The moment He sees that your worship is coming from the bottom of your heart, the moment He sees that your repentance is also coming from the bottom of your heart, He will be quick to act on your requests when you present them. He will be so fast to act to that because he's seeing that indeed this person is true because God does not see the way we see. For us, we only see on the outside. We don't even know. A person may tell you something different, but when they need something different. You know, I have a friend back at campus. She would stop you when I was still in campus. She would stop you and tell you, hey, my dear, you have very nice hair. You know, I remember she once talked to one of our friends and said, hey, you're so smart, dear. I see you have really nice hair. And then she said, thank you. And she left. And then after she turned to me and told me, hmm. and she thinks she's smart. Although what is wrong with people? But can you imagine? Yes, earlier when she made a comment to her that you what? You have nice hair. So that is what happens. Huh? There is another girl I know of. She would stop you and tell you, wow, that cat is really nice. I, I remember. I said, she said that, wow, you have a very beautiful cat. Who made it for you? And the girl said, ah, it, it was my mom. And then she said, wow, it is beautiful. So when the girl went away, the girl she was telling that she had a very nice cat, she turned to her friend and said, that is the ugliest cat I've ever seen. Like, seriously. So for us, we only look at the top. Huh? We only look, uh, we, we only look focus on words that people say, but we have a God who sees in the inside in that when you're worshiping and he's, he can actually see that this one is doing it genuinely from the bottom of their heart, but this other person is not. When we are repenting, some of us repent just, just say out words. 
We don't even care to repent from the bottom of our hearts. That Father, we are truly sorry for the sins that we have committed, but we only say out the words. But He sees. He sees. There is a reason as to why God says that David is the man after His heart. Because David repented from his unrighteousness. He went seven days fasting and prayer, just crying out to God to have mercy on him. And that, that is the difference between David and Saul. They were both chosen by God to be kings of Israel. They both sinned. And we all know what David did. The sin David committed is greater than the sin Saul committed. Anyway, sin is sin. There is no greater or, or, or small sin. Sin is sin. But we see that David genuinely repented and Saul did not do it genuinely. So that is why God rejected Saul as king. But he said David is the man after his own heart. So let us learn that before we start asking God, we need to go through worshipping him. Then we confess our sins and then after we start making our request known to him. Let it be a continual prayer. Let it be a continuous habit that you do on a daily basis. Praise God. We need the Holy Spirit to help us whenever we are making supplications so that we can do it the right way. Because the scripture that I gave us earlier in James chapter 4 verse 3, it says that we ask, we pray but do not receive because we ask to fulfill our selfish desires. So that is what happens. You're asking God for a job. But what is the point of you getting a job? Because you want to show somebody. You are you're asking God for a very gigantic job, but not because you actually want to be responsible, but because you want to waste your life away. There are certain things that God will hold back and not give you because He sees that if He lets them and gives them to you, you are going to waste your life away. So also the Bible clearly tells us that if we pray, we should pray in the will of God because He will give us only if we pray according to His will. But sometimes we pray for our own selfish gain. That one He will not answer it. You're praying a prayer against somebody, but you're praying that God, I pray a Savior that you pull that lady down. I pray that her wedding does not go through. I pray that this. You are just casting. The Lord is seeing the bitterness in your heart. He's not going to answer such a prayer because you're praying against somebody. So he is a faithful God, a compassionate Father who does not do something against his will. He's not going to answer a prayer that is prayed to hurt somebody. Praise God. If you say that you want a husband just because you want other people to notice you, that you are also you have also crossed the line, you have also you you are also not what? You are also not that ugly that you can easily get somebody. Then, no, you will not answer that prayer until he sees the genuineness in your heart when you're making supplications known to him. So it is good to make our request known to him. But let us not do it for our selfishness. But let us do it for his glory. When you're saying go to anoint you so that you can be a worshiper, do it for his glory. Not for your own self-exaltation so that people may see me that I think well no. Do it for His glory. Praise God. So after you have uh, confessed your sins, after you have worshipped Him, after you have made your request known to Him, most people conclude the prayer. That is where it stops. What else do they need? They have made their request known to God. But no, the next step, after you have made your supplications known to Him, the next step is adoration. What do I mean by adoration? This is when you... 
uh, uh, pour out your heart to Jesus. Huh? This is when you tell him that, Lord, I love you. I cannot do without you. You see, confession is possession. Hmm? When a man is walking up to a lady, he will say, I love you so many times. So many times until the lady gets it within her. Even the, 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 the ones who give up breakfast. Those who give up breakfast were never serious in the first place. But I'm talking about a serious man who is really focused on getting the girl. Every day, he will not fail to say it. And maybe, let me say this to the marriage, if they are in the house, I know they are. One thing I must say, in an African setting, it is very hard for a husband to tell the wife, I love you. Usually they say those things when they are still dating, they don't say them. <laughs> they don't say them in marriage, it becomes a very heavy word to say. Somebody once said that it is very hard for an African parent to tell a child, I love you. And it's the truth. Me, I've never had that from my parents. But I know they do, of course, they actually show. But what am I trying to bring out? The continuous saying of the words, okay, will prove to somebody that you really do. If you say it out, and if you show the action, you get me? So in a time of adoration, you are with God, which is now you and Him, in your secret room of prayer. And then you start saying that, Lord, I love you so much. I am worthless without you. I cannot live without you. Which is true. Because without Jesus, you would have been dead already. You said that, Lord, without you, I am completely worthless. Which is true. Because you would, you, you, without Jesus, we are worthless. Everything you earn is worthless. All the degrees, all the money you have, all the wealth, it is all nothing. It is all vanity. Without Jesus, it is worthless. You tell him that, Lord, I would have been dead if it was not for you. You know, like, like I'm saying, you try and say certain words, okay, that will bring the Lord closer. This is what causes the intimacy, which is the next step. The intimacy is the next step in prayer. After the adoration, after you have told him that, Lord, I love you, after you have told him that I can't live without you, after you have told him that you mean more than anything to me, you mean you are the air that I breathe, you are my life, you are my love, you are my world, which is actually true. God is our world. He is the author of our lives. He is our joy. You start telling him that, Lord, you are my joy. You are my peace. You are my hope. Just as a man who will be making advances to a girl will start saying these words to them. They start saying that without you, I can't live. That I can't sleep without you. Yet he's actually like, he slept wrong the entire night. But of course, he's saying this because he wants to entice you to get closer. You get me? So this is adoration. Like you completely adore somebody. It is more than love. But it's like this person is your world. Without them, you are lifeless. Without Jesus, we are lifeless. Leave alone the human beings who lie to you that without you, I cannot live. You are my life. They are lying. But the truth is, without Jesus, we are lifeless. He is our world. He is our life. You should learn to say these things. Not just, knowing them is not just enough. The truth is, we know it. Every, every believer knows that without Jesus, we are completely nothing. Without Jesus, we shall perish. But you need to save them. 
during prayer. You need to say them. You need to let them be known. Let them out of your word, of, of your lips. Confess them to him and let Jesus know who he is to you. Because he's asking, who am I in your life? He really wants to know, who is he to you? Let him know. Let him in. Let him be a part of your life. Let him know who he is. The other step is intimacy after adoration. That's right. The adoration will lead to intimacy. After you have told him how great he is, how he is your world, how he is part of your life, how without him he is worthless. I mean you are worthless. Sorry. Sorry. I mean without Jesus we are completely worthless. If you let him know that you, his presence is going to settle. Now I'm talking about somebody who has really soaked themselves into prayer. It is coming from the bottom of your heart. You have decided to give time and say that, let me pray. The moment that intimacy comes, you will feel the presence of the Lord around you. You will feel his presence and you will feel love, so much love. There are people who have had this encounter. They have had an encounter with Jesus, but they tell you that when you, when you feel the presence of the Lord, you will feel peace. You will feel love that is so unexplainable. You will feel joy that you cannot even explain in your words. You feel you want to say it out, but you can't. Even joy itself as a word is not enough to show how much joy you feel when the presence of the Lord is there. You will feel that intimacy because the love that the Lord has for us is greater than the love any man ever can give to you. The love that the Lord has shown you is greater than any love that any man can give you. It is so great that that is the kind of love that you feel that you cannot even explain to somebody the love. You can't even explain to anybody the kind of love that you feel when the presence of the Lord engulfs you, when the presence of the Lord completely surrounds you. That intimacy, that, I, I, I'm also failing to explain it by the way, because I'm trying to bring it up, but I don't know if you're getting me. I can't compare it, I can't compare it to a relationship between husband and wife, but because it is more than that. It is more than that. It is more than what it is more than what can explain. But you feel that strong bond between you and God Himself, between you and the Holy Spirit, between you and Jesus. The moment you get to feel it, that is when it will be so easy for you to actually forgive someone. That love will be, it will, it will be so easy for you to let go of your faults because you will actually feel that you're not even deserving of the love that is showing you. The moment you feel that intimacy between you and Christ, the moment you feel that love between you and Him, you will find it so easy to forgive anybody. You will find it so easy to love somebody because you feel you will know actually that you are so undeserving of the love that is giving you right there. You will feel so unworthy and loved in that you will want to give somebody the love that he has given to you. Certain things that are hard for an ordinary Christian to do will be so easy for you to do because you have actually felt the intimacy of God with you. That intimacy is what everybody should pray for. 
the moment you get it, your life as a believer will be so with you. You will never ever want to leave the presence of God. You will never want to leave His presence. Because it is something that is really, really more than what treasure can ever buy. Praise Jesus. After that intimacy, that is when the Lord will bring it to you. Because right now you are so, so soft into Him. The moment you get that intimacy between you and Him, He will bring to you the knowledge of other people. You, you will, he will tell you to intercede for certain people or certain things. Yes? Most of us, when we are praying, we only focus on only our needs. But we forget that we also have to intercede. As a believer, as a born again, as a child of God, if you are also an intercessor, do not say that for me I'm not an intercessor, I was not called to be an intercessor. Everybody, every believer is called to be an intercessor. We are all intercessors. Intercession is putting your needs aside and praying for somebody else. You can decide to pray for your church. You can decide that I'm going to pray for my pastor. You can decide that I'm going to pray for the nation. And this is not just a five-minute prayer. Because whenever, most of us, we take, you can take two hours, but to use a one hour, 40 minutes, just praying for yourself, and you use the other 20 minutes praying for somebody else. No, no, it shouldn't be like that. An intercessor actually gives more time to others and limited time to themselves. You get If it is praying for the nation, you can spend an hour or more just praying for your country. When you're just placing it into the hands of God, you can even take off a day and fast and pray, saying that, Lord, I am only going to pray. I am not going to mention any single need of mine, but I'm only going to place my country, Uganda, into your hands. That is an intercessor. An intercessor will put their needs aside. You will forget that Joel is in existence and you say that I'm going to pray for all my pastors in my church. But how many of us do it? As believers, you say that I'm going to take a day off, but I'm not going to pray for myself, I'm only going to pray for my pastors. We are not, we, we are so selfish, that is what I'm trying to bring out. We as believers, we tend to be selfish to that extent. Very few of us actually intercede. We only intercede only when it has been brought up in church, when the person even says, let us pray for this, let us pray for this. But you as you as an individual, when you're praying you as yourself, do you ever take time and pray for somebody? Do you ever take time and say that I am going to put my needs aside, but I'm going to actually pray for this person? That is lacking in the church. But it's, what happens is, when that person actually gets into trouble, we are the very first people who judge. We do not pray for our pastors, yet we tell them to be God. When the pastor makes a mistake, we are the very first people to judge and we say, how can he do such a thing? He's not even a man of God. Look at him. How can he do that? But a pastor, that person who is judging, if you sit down and ask that person, have you ever taken time to pray for the pastor? You're condemning him. But have you ever taken time to pray for him? Him and him. These people also get attacked by the enemy. They are also human like you. They have blood running in them just like you. They are human beings. They also need your prayers. They also need to be prayed for by 
we shouldn't be fast at judging other people. We shouldn't be fast at judging these people because the way we have really judged our president, let me bring that up. The way we have spoken terrible words against that man, we have really pronounced curses upon him. But let me just ask, how many have taken time and said that I am going to fast and pray for the president just this entire day? How many people have done that? Generally, just look up your hand and you say, I am going to pray and fast for the president of Uganda. See, this is what I'm talking about. We do not bring these people into the hands of God. But when they make a mistake, we are so fast at judging them. We are so fast at condemning them. We speak terrible words against them. We cast them terribly. We complain about bad leadership. But how many of us bring our leaders to God? How many of us pray for them and say, Lord, I bring my leader into your hands. I bring my employer into your hands. I bring my head of this school into your hands. I bring our pastor, our worship team leader, our Sunday school teacher. How many people do that? But when they make a mistake, what do we do? We are the very first people who attack them. But before you do the attack, sit down and ask yourself, where, where was I when this happened? Where was I when this person involved themselves in such a problem? If we came together as a nation and prayed for our leaders, don't you think that the country would be in a better state? If we went down on our knees and we took off time as believers and said, we are going to take this week and fast and pray for our leaders, don't you think our nation would be better? Instead of complaining about the corruption, how about we get on our knees and pray for these people? Because the Bible clearly tells us that leadership comes from God. Leadership comes from Him. He did not appoint Himself as the leader. But God appointed Him. So before we start judging, before we throw a terrible word at these people, let us pray for them. Let us pray for them, not just blessing on our own selves. We have our needs, yes. We make them known to God every single day. Clearly, a day in a week is not too much to ask. Just to pray for somebody else or something else. Just one day is enough for you to pray for your country. A day is enough for you to bring all your leaders to God, starting from the president. And say that, Lord, I am fasting and praying, but I'm putting my needs aside, and I'm only praying for my president. I think it's enough for you just to go down on your knees and pray for your pastors. They need also prayers from you people. They don't always have to be the one praying for you. You also need to pray for them. I think it's enough. Instead of complaining about a sister who is never getting married in church, you're saying that, hey, but that brother, what is wrong with him? He has been single for a very long time. How about you get on your knees and intercede for him and say, Lord, I have come before you because of brother so and so. I'm praying that Lord may you bless him with a wife. Just let, let us learn to do that. If you feel that a day is too much, at least take one hour. Just take one hour every day. Make it an issue that I will take one hour and pray for somebody or something. It can be your country, it can be your pastor, it can be your, the intercessors in the church. Actually, like I said, we are all intercessors. It can be your church. 
Instead of complaining that the church has taken long without being constructed, have you ever brought the construction work into the hands of God? Not just a five-minute prayer, but you say, I am just praying and fasting so that the construction of the church can really, really perform or can succeed. It can really carry, it has been in a stagnant state for so long. We want it to keep on moving. So instead of complaining so much, because we have a tendency of doing that, we grumble over every situation. The Bible clearly tells us that we shouldn't complain, we should do everything without complaining or arguing. I think that is Philippians 2.16. But the Bible clearly tells us that we shouldn't complain about anything. We shouldn't worry about anything. You have a complaint, present your request to God. It also tells us not to judge others. So instead of judging other people, huh? instead of judging a certain sister for backsliding, how about you intercede for them? We are so good at that as believers. The reason I'm worried so much of this is because I really want to bring out that intercession. Intercession into me. I really want us to understand it. Instead of judging another person for having backslid, how about you actually bring them into the hands of the Lord? You pray for them. You repent on their behalf. That is what a church should do. That is what believers should do. That is what intercession means. You stand in the gap. You stand on behalf of a church. You stand on behalf of a nation. You stand on behalf of a person. You stand on behalf of an area. It can be like an area like Mbala. And you repent on behalf of that area. And then after you pray that God delivers it. That is what an intercessor does. An intercessor will not judge. An intercessor will pray. They will stand in the gap. When your husband commits sexual immorality, you as the wife stand in the gap and you repent on his behalf just like you are the person who has committed that immoral act. We don't judge as intercessors. We intercede. We pray for these people. We take the blame. We take the fall for them. That is what a believer should be. A true believer is an intercessor. So I really pray that you get to understand this thing. We have to learn to intercede. Do not just pray for your own things. We need to get out of having a selfish prayer. Huh? Praying for yourself is a prayer of selfishness. The reason I swear I'm saying it is selfish because you're only thinking about yourself. But that is not what you are called to do. Yes, fine. It is okay for you to pray for yourself. You have needs, but you have done it every day. You have done it every day. How about you stop for a while and pray for somebody else? It is not too much to ask. The same way you're praying for yourself is the same way you should pray for somebody else. Intercession is really, really important in the life of a believer. We need to learn to intercede. We need to learn to do that. And let us stop judging when something goes wrong. If we only intercede, the judgment and the condemnation would not be there in the church. If you all would only intercede for your church, the certain misunderstandings that you usually see would not be there. If we had only interceded for our country, the chaos that we see 
we would have hindered it a long time ago if only we had won enough early to intercede for this nation. So let us learn to intercede. Praise God. Uh, after intercession, we should give thanks. That is the other step. Let us learn to give thanks to God. Most of us are good at praying, but like I said, uh, these seven steps of prayer, like I said, most of us stop on step number three. We stop on that supplication. The moment you have presented our request to God, that is where your prayer ends. No, there is also giving thanks to God. Hmm? Uh, uh, there is a story in Luke of the ten leopards. These ten lepers, the Lord healed them of leprosy, but out of the ten, only one person came back to say thank you. And I'm looking at the life of a believer that way also. Of all the things that God has done for you, how many times do you say thank you? Of all the things that He has done, He has done so much from childhood up to now. The fact that you are alive is enough to give thanks. But you know what we do as believers? We complain about the things that he has not done. And we completely forget about what he has done. That is what we do most of the time. If it is complaining, that one we can do from morning to evening. I prayed for this, the Lord has not given it to me. I prayed for this, I look at me, I'm 27, I am still single, the Lord hasn't done anything. But for goodness sake, he has done so much. He has done so much. You have life. Look at the nation. People die of COVID every single day. But you see Uganda. Uganda has not yet suggested masses of people dying. I don't know if the, 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 the death toll has not even reached 100 in Uganda. But you can imagine in those foreign nations, thousands of people are dying every day. Thousands of people are dying due to this massive pandemic. But in Uganda, people are not dying. Yet we are even not caring. This social distancing, people don't care about it. When you go to town, you think you will find anybody wearing a mask. You, you who is wearing a mask will actually be out of place. This business that is sanitizing, it's not there. It is every man for himself. But God has protected us. Child of God, that is something worth giving thanks for. Because in foreign nations, people are dying. In Italy, they were reporting that 600 people were dying each and every single day. But somebody came out to say that, for goodness sake, they are lying to you. They are saying 600 people, but they are more than 600 people dying. Earlier on on television, I was watching uh, uh, in, in, in South America. South America was it? Uh, I don't remember the country very well, but it was in South America. The man died great from morning to evening. But every grave was being used. Every grave. People are dying to the extent that they have lost where to, to bury people. You find a body, someone has died of COVID, but they throw it in the dustbin. The nurses have all been infected in the hospital, the health workers, and they tell you, my goodness, we don't have help anywhere. But this is COVID that is also in Uganda. There are still so many people abroad, but Ugandans, we are still alive. That is the reason why giving thanks to God for. So why is it that every time we look at something that you have prayed for and God has not done, you complain so much and you forget about what he has done? Child of God, let us learn to give thanks. 
Let us learn to give thanks to God. He has done so much. You have an education. There is somebody who is wishing to have reached the level where you reached. Let me tell you, even where you are and you are not satisfied with where you are, somebody looks at you and wishes so much to be where you are. There is a person looking at you and is wishing that if only I had Joan's life, if only I had that lady's life, somebody is wishing to have your life. So don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. Everything in your life is worth giving thanks for. Everything that you have. It is not out of your own door. It is by the will of God. People, we are free to worship in church in Uganda. That is something worth giving thanks to God for. In China, you, you can't, the moment they find Uganda like this, they arrest you. Immediately, you are arrested for three years in prison. Because of God and the church to pray. You were arrested. The moment they see you with a Bible, they confiscate it. Nobody is allowed to have a Bible. Those people are not allowed to have Bibles. They have to hide when they are praying. They have to hide when they are reading Bibles. They write out scriptures on pieces of paper. But the moment they see you with it, it's taken away from you. So these people have to actually cram the Bible. They have these people. Well, there was a lady I listened to. Uh, a certain pastor went to China uh, uh, to, to pray. But of course they had to do it secretly. So they, they have certain places where they meet. It was somewhere in the basement. The floors of wood, they, they were really hiding. So he started giving out Bibles. Uh, the, the, these people were like, uh, I don't remember the number, but they distributed the Bibles were not enough. So one of the ladies brought her Bible onto somebody. So he told them, Open the scripture, let us pray. When they opened the scripture to read, this lady was reciting the whole scripture without reading from the Bible. So the pastor was so surprised and said, Well, you found all this? She said, yes, you have to cram everything because we are not allowed to have Bibles. And then he said, how did you do that? See, he, she, she, he asked her, how did you do that? The lady said, well, uh, we don't have Bibles, so what you do, we write the scriptures on a piece of paper. So you have to make sure that you read the piece of paper very fast and you grasp everything, everything, because the moment they find it with that paper, they take it away from you. First of all, you are arrested in prison. Three years. So in prison, she says, that is where you learn to read the Bible. And that is where I do whatever. She, she grasps the scriptures very fast. She can't know the thing. Because first of all, the Bible is taken away. So they write on pieces of paper. But even the papers, they have to hide. So when I look at that text, and in Uganda, you are free to worship without even being arrested. How about you give thanks to God for that? You are free to praise and worship Him. You can go on the streets and preach. In China, that is not there. You are arrested. In the Arab nation, my goodness, those guys do not even believe that God had a son called Jesus Christ. They can't even say it. They are believers there, but they have to hide. They have to hide their Bibles. They have to hide their salvation. They are at risk. Because the moment they find you, and the Arabs are so bad, those ones will just kill you. They are not like the Chinese who are in prison. So child of God, that is the reason worth giving thanks to God for. At least thank Him that you have life. You live every day. You have life. Uh, when we open First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. 
1 Corinthians 15, 57. And it says, But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we thank God that we have the victory. Now, uh, let me say this. If you feel that you have nothing to thank God for, hmm, at least get the Bible and thank Him for the promises that He has made. Hold on to them and thank Him that Lord, you have called me a child because the Bible clearly says you are a child of the Most High God. Thank Him that He gave His Son Jesus Christ to die for you. That is so pleasurable, treasurable. Thank Him that you have salvation. At least you know Christ. And you are living according to his will. We give thanks to God because he has given us victory. He has given us authority to overcome the devil. Child of God, that is what giving thanks to God for. People out there don't know the authority they have over the enemy. But you have been given that authority over him. That is in Luke 10, 19. Why won't you give thanks? Child of God, there are so many reasons to give thanks to God. You are not in a hospital, you are not in intensive care units, you are not lame. If you are using all your five senses, you, that is the reason why giving thanks to God for. So let us learn to give thanks to God. And then finally, after you have thanks God, we should give him praise. Praise. Now, this is, sometimes we praise through music. Actually, most of the times. It is done through music. Sometimes you speak, you speak in tongues, eh? you speak in tongues just because the praise that the Spirit has taken over you and you're praising God, you're giving Him praise. Sometimes you say it in your own words and you just praise God. Now, if you allow the Holy Spirit to work through you in prayer, you will discover that you're actually not doing much of the praise. Prayer, we cannot do, we cannot pray on our own. If you do, you are going to get tired very fast, especially following these seven steps that I've given you. Alia, I think I've given you eight, not so. Yeah, they are eight. So, uh, one thing I'd like to tell you is, um, if you pray without the guidance of the Holy Spirit, it is going to be so hard for you. You'll need to end up sleeping during prayer. These are the people you'll find that within five minutes the person is asleep. But when the Holy Spirit takes over, when the Holy Spirit takes over, if you invite Him in and you say, Holy Spirit, come let us pray together, I'm telling you, you are going to go even for hours. You will go for hours and hours just praying. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 6 18. Uh, let us open. Ephesians 6, 18. Ephesians 6, 18 tells us, and pray, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the things. Now this one clearly explains what I've been telling you the seven steps. It tells us to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. That means let the Spirit take over you as you pray. With all kinds of prayers and requests, yes, with all kinds of prayers and requests as well, you can 
repent, worship, give thanks, intercede, and you should also say, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all that things. In other words, you shouldn't pray for yourself only, but you should also pray for everybody else that I say. Not only yourself. For once in your life, put your needs aside and consider another person's needs. Now when we go back in First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, from verse 16, it says, Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Praise God. So in every circumstance, when we go back to the previous step before I told you to pray, in every circumstance, the Bible says that we should give thanks to God because it is the will of God for you. It is the will of God for your life. Instead of complaining and grumbling over a certain situation, how about you thank God for it? Thank God that you're going through that situation because the Bible tells us in Romans 8, 28 that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord, to those called according to His purpose, to those who are called by Him. So before you follow, before you start to pray, remember the seven steps and do them every time you pray. At least, do not just stop at making your request known to God. Yes, we have a lot of needs. For sure, we will never stop wanting. There are so many things we want and we need from God. But the Bible clearly tells us that He knows our needs before we even ask for them. So as you present your request known to Him, he is willing to handle them. Remember to also pray for somebody else. Remember to give him thanks. Remember to love and worship him. Remember to repent. And above all, remember to praise. Give him praise for what he has done. Even just a song is enough to praise him. Just rejoice in him. Give him praise for all that he has done in your life. Hallelujah. Praise God. I believe that our prayer life has changed from today. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for teaching us how to pray. Thank you, dear Lord. Father, we commit ourselves into your hands, O Heavenly Father God, and we pray that you guide us from today, O dear Jesus. Guide us every step of the way. Every time we decide to pray, O Holy Spirit, we pray that you come and pray along with us. We pray that you come and guide us to go. We pray that you teach us how to pray, not selfishly. We pray that you guide us so that whenever we pray, O Savior God, let it be from the bottom of our hearts. May we do it in spirit and in truth. We pray that you completely take over, possess our bodies, possess our spirits, possess our minds, possess our souls, possess everything that we own, our Savior God. We give ourselves away to you, Jehovah. We give ourselves completely to you. We surrender ourselves to you. We surrender our prayer life to you. Father, refine it. Father, revive us again. Where we had been, where we had backslidden, we pray, O Jesus, Savior, that you refine us and you revive us, O King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and may you take us to a, high, a rock that is higher than us. Holy Spirit, we give you full control. Take over our lives. We commit ourselves to you. We submit ourselves to your will, Jehovah. 
take on page control center God, and take over our prayer life. From today, we surrender it all to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. And I also pray for everybody who has come in this place. Send them may you handle their situation. Jehovah, your word says that you know, and it's before we even ask for them. Father, handle everybody's need. Whoever comes with, came with a Lord upon their hearts, Father, may you offload them. Whoever came in a depressing situation, Father, may you give them joy. May you restore hope to the hopeless. May you restore life to somebody's dead situation. Jehovah, may you bring joy to the sorrowful Lord in them, Father, God. Dear Jesus, may you be a light to somebody's darkness. Oh, Father, we worship you. We are going to God. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, we have prayed and believed. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We thank God. We thank God. Thank you for coming. And I believe that your prayer life has changed from today. Thank you for listening. Thanks so much, Sister Kola. It's such a wonderful message. I'm sure everyone of us has been blessed by that message this morning, isn't it? So let us give a mighty hand clap for the people.